What's amazing with AI is that it can be implemented in existing technology and enhance existing technology, so you don't have to learn a new tool. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Luca Zambello. He's the co-founder and CEO of Journey, an AI-driven hospitality platform that seamlessly automates operations and guest experiences through vertical integration and connectivity. This is a company that has taken the traditional property management system and flipped it on its head. The hotel industry has never been accused of being tip of the spear when it comes to technology adoption. But today, things seem different. After the pandemic trained people to do work remotely, tools that were not so commonly used three years ago are absolutely part of the mainstream today. Well, AI tools like ChatGPT and Google Bard are rapidly becoming integrated into everyday tools we all use, and very soon they will be impossible to ignore. So this episode is a little bit different from others. We discuss Journey's product and how it's different from other PMS providers, but ultimately we start to scratch the surface on AI and how it's starting to affect the hospitality industry. It may be too soon to see the true implications on hospitality, but companies like Journey are at the forefront of its integration, and one thing is certain, it's here, so now we need to figure out how to make it work for us, our guests, and our operations. So let's get to it. This is episode 110 of the Proven Principles podcast, Luca Zambello on AI in the hospitality industry and the future of guest experience. Enjoy. Hey, Luca, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is, and you know what? I have been on a little bit of a hiatus uh, with the show here. We had a, a new baby in January and, and admittedly, I've not been good about communicating out to the audience about what's been going on. So if you've been wondering where episodes are, uh, we've just been trying to get our feet under us with two kids in the house, but it's great to have you back on the first recording now after several months. Yeah. Thank you for having me and congrats. Congrats. For Thank the you. Yeah. It's like, it's very different, but it's, it's incredible. Um, I am really interested to have you on the show here. I want to dive into your company journey. Um, but before we get too deep into what you are, like what you guys are all about, why don't you tell us about who you are? What's your connection to hospitality and how did you get to where you are today? Loaded question, I know, but I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, no, I, well, I was, to give you a little bit of background about myself, I was born and raised in Italy. I moved to US when I was 21 and uh, with excuse of studying. So uh, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur here. A couple of years after I moved here, this this is, like we're talking about uh, two, 12 years ago, super early Airbnb and the short-term rental industry. I, I launched a landing page for luxury villas here in, uh, in LA. I was one of the first one doing Google AdWords for, for that. I had almost zero competitions and did really, really well. Over $1.2 million in net revenue to us, which which wow. was amazing. It was just me and an assistant. So uh, I thought I found a gold mine. <laughs> Start to live business because um, the the industry got flooded on the internet all like all of a sudden, besides the, the group of Airbnb and VRBO. Yeah, companies like Luxury Treat, One Fine Stay, they came on the market and mm-hmm. and with big budgets, venture backed. Right. Um, and I kind of like show me how, how things work in US. <laughs> that if you have an idea or if you have something, you just better go fast or or, yep. or competition will come. And that's um that's that was my first experience with the with the short-term rental industry. I wanted to then um move into the full management. 
uh, in the management, I wanted to have control over the, the assets. So um, I moved away from single family. I went to multifamily short-term rentals and boutique hotels. So we did uh, um, a lot of basically took independent uh, boutique hotels and flipped them to this fully automated almost experiment uh, experiential like airbnb type of uh, stays and did really well um our biggest uh, uh inventory was uh, was in florida miami and and little bit in new york and, and did, did did really well with that model but in the process of doing all of that i was trying to as I mentioned, automation was was one of the biggest things for us, um, especially because we, with it coming later of the pandemic, um, we were trying to automate a lot of this this um, these processes that currently are only done by people. And I think there's a mis often a mis understanding of of technology. Uh, but if technologies are good, it actually can can enhance experience for the guests mm -hmm. and, and and people around you. It's when the technology doesn't work that actually do the worst. Yeah, and so that's isn't that the truth? Yes, and so that's how the journey of journey, upon intended, right, started off of um, of looking to different technologies. My biggest issue I am as a host was trying to make a bunch of different systems work seamlessly together. All PMSs, and this is the same for short-term rental industry, hotel industry, they are built all with the same concept of having this marketplace and having as many integrations as possible, which it made sense up until probably five years ago. Um, but now it doesn't make any sense anymore because, because there's too many solutions. There's more and more and more vertical solutions. And so what happened is if you want to have an open marketplace for each vertical, so for pricing, a guest mobile app, for a guest verification system, you end up with thousands of integrations that you have to stay on top of, which means mm -hmm. that none of these integrations are going to be great. Right. And so the biggest problem I encounter is like that making the solutions work together. That was problem one for me. But I think uh, uh, another problem that we saw is that it's also hard to navigate the ecosystem when you have all these different solutions and, and you want to choose which one to use. And three is the implementation uh, process, which is absolutely insane. So mm -hmm. the idea of Journey was to create a, uh, a vertically integrated system. We looked, what are the top companies in the space doing? You look at Vacasa or Sander of, of the situation um, at a time, what they were start doing and they still do is like they start internalizing a lot of those things. Maybe they build their own PMS, maybe they don't. But they have a preset tech stack and they try to go as deep as possible. So mm -hmm. what happened is like they, they create this almost like connectivity platform that sits on top of a PMS, which is exactly what we did at first to then realize that we needed to, to even build our own PMS in order to make this whole system work flawlessly and seamlessly together. Big mission, big vision. It takes a lot of development, a lot of times and a lot of uh, uh, trial and error to make it right. But um, we, we finally got there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. I, that's, that's an incredible journey. And I can tell you from experience, I know in the hospital in the hotel world, there are a couple of really big property management system players. And there are a couple of proprietary ones too, that hotel companies have developed. And, uh, they, what's the most democratic, uh, nicest way to say it. They don't, they don't necessarily evolve, uh, with the times 
they, uh, you know, you're sort of within a walled garden uh, that you really have a hard time getting out of, you know, the switching cost is really high and, and, you know, all of those things. And, you know, sometimes every now and then you're sort of at the mercy of how those companies sort of dictate how you're able to run your property because yeah. you only have so many options that work with their platform. Right. Exactly. Um, and I guess maybe the, there's not so much a question here, but maybe just more about like conceptually, you know, as you as you dove a little bit deeper into the hotel world, not necessarily in the short term rental world, you know, did you find that there were similar pain points between both operators? And that's that's an easy question. I'm assuming yes, but maybe moreover, you know, how do you convince somebody in the hotel world that's been using a legacy system for so long that there is a better way to do it, and then you make it economically viable for them? to make the switch? Because I think that's probably the biggest hurdle in the hotel world. Well, it's kind of like why we said that it's so much harder to sell the whole ecosystem and say like, hey, you, this is a new way of doing things. You need to start learning this whole system versus versus giving a finished product. And that's what we tried to do with Journey. We understood that... Um, Short-term rentals are early adopters. And so early adopters are okay with dealing with this mess <laughs> and the fragmentations. But but um, but even within the short-term rental industry, it's only a smaller percentage if you look over all of hosts, not all the inventory necessarily, but as, as if we're talking about hosts, we're talking about 5% of hosts are really uh, uh, focused on, on, on getting this complicated tech stack. And in the, mm -hmm. in the hotel industry, it's even worse, right? But it's because you need... The reason why you haven't got mass adoption, this is the same in every single industry, is because nobody's made it easy yet. Because to make it easy is hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's true. And, and, that's, and that's exactly what we, what we said to ourselves. That's, that, that, was, that became our mission with Journey. We said, hey, we lowered the barrier to entry, make the product free. Build it vertically integrated so if any tools, you can just upgrade it within the system. You don't have to have multiple different dashboards. Uh, make sure that there's the least amount of frictions. Onboarding needs to be seamless. It needs to be one button, you're connected. Make it free so that if somebody wants to test it and see the potentials, they can, they can adapt it and use it. That's what's, uh, what's really important. And I think uh, what we, we're in a very unique historical time in history because of the rising of AI. What's amazing with AI is that actually it's going to make just things easier for people, not more complicated. It seems this far-fetched thing for a lot of people, but in reality, it's actually making things easier. Now with things, tools like ChatGPT uh, or BART, you now can already interact with things that were only accessible to very, very few people before, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can things, do things like developing code where, where you can know nothing about coding and now you can, you can have something that develops code for you. So um, that's, that's another aspect which we, we really focus uh, our time on because we realize that, hey, listen, if we are the one that can simplify the industry, because it's complicated until now from a technological standpoint, it's complicated from an operational standpoint, extremely complicated. Plus you add a very hard uh, tech uh, a stack that that is that is hard to adopt and use. 
then you can't do both. That's what I realized when we were operators. I have to choose one path or the other. And I have to be an expert on both in today's environment. So I wanted to eliminate that. I said, let me become an expert in technology and hopefully be the solutions that where, where it becomes that easy to use so people don't have to become experts in technology in order to have a complete tech stack. That is an interesting way to look at it, where become an expert at in technology to make something simple so that the tool doesn't stand in the way from the actual hospitality experts from delivering on you know the services and you know being able to do their jobs on a day-to-day basis so that that so that they don't have to become technology experts to fix the problems that stand in their way there's a very sort of yeah there's kind of very circular i like actually i really like that so you guys have you've gone through a few iterations with the journey pms now uh you recently launched uh version two or, or maybe I'm getting the the no, naming convention wrong, but you know the next version of Journey, yeah. uh, just like and this recording is like perfect timing because I think your press release came out like yesterday. Yes. Yeah, um, so between version one and now version two of Journey, that's out in the wild. What what are some of the key features of Journey version two contrasted against? some of the other hospitality or hotel-centric property management systems out there. So you can really say like, okay, this this is why Journey is different compared to your legacy property management system, or maybe maybe another upstart that's trying to kind of get their way into the hospitality or to the hotel uh, side of the business. Well, I, I think uh, uh, the uniqueness of our system is that it's vertically integrated and then the partners that we chose, we don't, so so you kind of have the industry divider is like a, you have a only one done by a single provider or you have this this marketplace PMSs and there's nothing, nothing in between really uh, until now. So we've done the same that our only one system would do. So being vertically integrated, but we've done that with third party systems. So the pricing is not done by us, but it's done who we think is the best in pricing. Um, the IoT connections, a portion of it is done by us, but a portion is done who we think is best on the IoT connections, right? So we understand that you cannot win the game by, by yourself, but we also understand that our open source and uh, open marketplace system doesn't work because it's, the system is too complicated. It makes it too too hard for, for the user to adopt. I think that's mm-hmm. point number one, but the point number two is the utilization of, of AI. So... Um, we've built multiple different tools to make to make the system as easy to use as possible and have literally an, an AI enhancing everything you do, everything from guest communication, from from technical support, from answering reviews in an automated way, uh, to creating listing descriptions, all of those type of things now they're being automated with basically a personal AI assistant. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, and correct me. I mean, you, you probably do. You, you're definitely tip of the spear when it comes to the AI discussion. You, the hotel industry has never been accused of being tip of the spear of just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they just started using texting for guests like, you know, five years ago. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that we have a clear sense of how AI is, I mean, I, conceptually, most people probably have a good understanding of how AI is starting to affect certain aspects of their lives. But 
the application of AI in the hospitality industry, I don't, there hasn't been a lot of discussion about that yet, because I still think it's seen more as like a, yeah, you could do a listing description. You can do a chat bot uh, on your website. You know, maybe, maybe you can, there's some sort of implementation for like phone calls I don't know, at some point, if not now, probably pretty soon. But when you think about the traditional hotel structure of staffing and service delivery and how there's so many different departments and fragmentation of duties within a building. Are you guys starting to think about how AI, maybe your AI tool, Nia, it's called? Yeah. Um, yeah. How, what is the, the application over and above what I just stated in the hotel space? And, you know, maybe we're not there yet, there yet, but, you know, if you had to look around some corners, where do you think we're going? Yeah, I, I, I want to take a step back because I want to make sure that the, this is a misconception that there's with technology because technology up until today have evolved have about double in power every two years because we're directly correlated to the power of the hardware. So chips double the amount of transistors every two years. So approximately, so approximately the power that double every two years. AI now... Basically, it's almost 100% software. Of course, it runs on 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 hardware, but but really, is the software evolving itself? So, it doubles its power about every three and a half months, potentially even quicker than that. Um, there was, uh, I think, it was Stanford University. Um, uh, there's a study, I believe, around 2013 came out and it predicted where the AI power would be today and what it would be. But basically by the end of next year. And then we're exactly there to where they predicted it now. Extreme accuracy of prediction. Like that's insane. insane. And what's crazy is that if, if it doubles in power every three and a half months, it means that you're making more progress in three and a half months than you made from the inception of, of AI. So that's- I think Because what, it's exponential, right? It's ex yeah. yeah, exactly. It's exponential. And so what, what, what most people, I think, are why most people are underestimating this is because we don't realize this. Like humans are used to think in a linear way, not exponential way. And so when you take this in consideration, it means that if you're the, like, you need to start developing things today because most people will be like, okay, but it's a new technology. It's not here. It's, it's not here yet. Right. Um, yeah, it can do some good things that can help me today, but before it's going to be X, Y, Z, it's going to take years. It's not. It's going to take months, maybe weeks, or maybe maybe days. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. It's like, so for instance, like when we developed our tool, we developed a tool for um, the guest communication or the tech support. It wasn't, it was good, but not amazing. It was built on top of GPT-3. GPT three and a half. Then when we got access to the API of GPT four, without doing a thing, absolutely a thing, a quadruple, five x in powers and accuracy. We went from fifty percent accuracy to almost eighty percent accuracy in responses. Wow. Almost ninety percent of our tasks of our uh, open ticket tasks are resolved by the AI itself. Right now, it's crazy. <laughs> this happened in a matter of. Like we started working on this in, in literally November. <laughs> Look where we are right now. Yeah, you yeah. have never seen something 
something like this. And why I'm saying this is because I, uh, it's the urgency that I want to put in people to start looking into AI technology today. Because what you talked about, it, it's that is extremely fragmented. And there's a lot of moving parts. AI is going to be better at that. Uh, we, I was talking at a conference in London and, uh, three weeks ago, uh, specifically about this. It was, uh, it was in the hospitality industry. And people said, well, but it, machines are not going to give you the same experience that a human can give you, which is more personalized. So that's, that's, that's I've heard that before. Exactly. So, but that's true because it was true until today. Mm-hmm. But the reality is uh, what AI can already do is understanding what you like, what your previous preferences were, what, what you, so, so it's going to be able to actually customize and, and, and tailor an experience perfectly to what your needs are much better than a human can because it can mm-hmm. contain so many informations about every single guest. So Nothing actually, slips through the cracks. Exactly. So nothing will slip through the cracks. So actually, within six months, AI agents are going to give you a much better experience. People are going to prepare talking. I know it sounds far-fetched, but it's happening. It will happen. People are going to prefer talking to an AI agent because they know it's going to be more accurate. They know it's not going to be in the wrong mood. They know that it's not going to uh, tell them inaccurate information. All those things is, is what's going to create, in the end of the day, a better experience. We're just scarred because until now, technology has not worked the way we want it. Chatbots until now have been horrible. But this is, mm-hmm. this is no ordinary chatbot. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, the people can't give as good service as whatever, whatever. Like I, I cannot tell you how many conversations over my career that I've been a part of anytime a new tool has been looked at to being adopted. And this, you know, I, I do think that there's an element of, you know, we, we've had to train our guests to accept a lot of, you know, different evolutions in the hotel space over time. I remember, and now I'm kind of dating myself, but like, This is probably about 10 or so years ago. Uh, I was part of a pilot project to introduce iPads for check-in at a luxury hotel in Washington, D.C. And at the time, this was crazy because nobody wanted to check in standing in the lobby. We thought, just because we'd been conditioned this way that everybody wanted to go up to the front desk, this big judicial bench, you know, at the, in the middle of a hotel lobby and go check in and get your keys. And, you know, in spite of the guest, maybe not wanting to get a fire hose of information to check in about all the different services and things that were available to them. You had to do that every single time with every single guest. You just had to get all of this information out. Even if the guy was trying to grab his keys and like, get away from you. And that eventually, that iPad introduction and that mobile check-in experience changed how we did things at the hotel. And there's been little iterations of, of that ever since then. I mean, this is, like I said, 10 years ago. But I'm thinking now back to the start of the pandemic. And obviously, the hotel industry, hospitality industry, was disproportionately affected at the time compared to every other industry out there. And disproportionately affected negatively from a, anyway, that's another episode. Um, And I remember hearing a stat at the time that Marriott's biggest competition or biggest um, disruptor 
wasn't another hotel company that would figured out a way to get people to travel. It was actually Zoom. And that came out of left field. Nobody would have ever thought that that was the case. And I think since the pandemic, we have been training our guests to do this kind of stuff. You know, these recordings, these video calls, they, they have become commonplace to the point where you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. And now you're, now your biggest, like your biggest decision is like, am I going to be on camera or off camera? That wasn't even a consideration three years ago. You didn't even think about this stuff. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I really have no idea how to describe AI's impact on hospitality because we've already proven that there are, in spite of, of objections about whether or not guests will accept new technology, we've proven that that's not the case. They do. We've proven that there's ways to do it that enhance service delivery. And we've proven that there's disruptors out there that don't even come from the hospitality space that will completely knock you back and make you do things a different way. And, you know, I'll get off my soapbox here, you know, in a minute, but like, you know, I, I think about what the impact is going to be on, on the, the workers in the hotel space. And there's definitely a, um, there are the doers, the people that like have to get something from point A to point B. There's the people that have to like, you cannot automate cleaning a room yet. No, not yet. Yes. One day, yes. but you can automate how the information flows down to the, to the housekeeper. And so maybe there's positions along the way that existed because certain tasks had to get done. They can be completely automated now and you don't even think about it anymore. So, you know, I, I just, you know, I think that the sky's the limit in how we think about this stuff. I agree with you a hundred percent. And uh, you know, I don't really have a point here just in that, like, this is just such a fascinating space. And, you know, I, I, I really kind of put my hat off to you guys for really being the first that I could think of to truly leverage AI and how you're like building it into your tool to try to make everybody's experience better. Yeah. And, and, um, and adding to, to actually what you said, I think, um, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest people's worries is like, what's going to be my job like? I'm going to lose my job. Um, I think I think technologies remove the annoying things to do and uh, enables us to do greater things. So it, I, I can say and see it in my organization. Um, we have 24-7 customer support, right? And we are building a tool that automates that. The tool is not going to be fully autonomous. You need the best agent to train the system, to oversee the system, improve the system. Now, these people that were customer support agents are becoming people that train the AI. So that new job was was created out of nowhere. And it's, it's um, a better job for 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 the people that that, that, are, that start doing that so i think it's gonna remove a lot of the annoying parts same things within the design space or architecture right like you have companies like mid journey or like mm -hmm. um uh they can straight up create images or rendering so things that people before took a long time but if you think about it from an architecture standpoint the creative person the artist now it eliminates the fact that they had to be 
experts in CAD or experts in Photoshop to build specific things. Now you can, they can just think and express things and they're going to happen in real time. So the output, what we're going to be able to do, it just increases. So productivity will increase. I don't think it's going to remove jobs. I think it's just going to increase productivity, increase efficiencies and and increase experiences and uh, for, for everybody. And yeah. And I, and I think one more point that is that is very interesting to this is is that um, technologies until today have been somewhat of a barrier to entry because they're they simplify things from, from one side but they overcomplicate things from another. You have to learn new tools. You have to learn new things to do. What's amazing with AI is that it can be implemented in existing technology and enhance existing technology, so you don't have to learn a new tool. Um, uh, will be implementing things like uh, into your Alexa. And so you're going to be able to have much more constructive conversations with Alexa with much greater feedback. So the technology, the, the piece of hardware has not changed. Like your the way you interact with them has improved. So if anything, make things easier. So that's been this is also another thing that is good to point out. Until today, new technologies come out and the barrier to entry for this technology is pretty high in the beginning. This is not the case. Yeah, yeah. You're, and you're only as good as how you're able to ask the tool to do the thing that you need. Exactly. And there's if you've ever played with it, you go if you if you've gone to chat GPT or Google Bard is another one that I've been playing with. Maybe we can talk about that in a second. Um, you can get very different answers based off of how you prompt the um the service to do the thing that you need it to do but i'm blown away by what it can do i mean the coding thing for sure i've asked it to like you know come up with a list of this and contrast between i did a project for somebody uh, a little while back actually not the well not a little uh, not that long ago where i needed to come up with um options for you know actually honestly it was a project to find op different options for technology providers in the short-term rental space because they wanted to see who the players were and they wanted to see pricing and they wanted to get some information about like pros and cons and what people are saying positive and negative about all of it and typically that would have been a very long project to put together because you really have to do deep research on everything well i literally went into chat gpt and i said you know find the providers in the short-term rental space that do this specific thing. Who are they? What's their pricing? What are the reviews, positive and negative, and put it into a table. And 30 seconds later, I had it all. Now I had to obviously proofread it, make sure that the information was accurate. And I did have to audit that information against websites and whatnot. But like, the point is, is it took like, what probably would have been a four or five hour job. And it literally took like 30 minutes. And it's- Absolutely. It's incredible. The uh, and this is before GPT four. This is like this is probably working off of old information. And now you can connect them to the internet and Google Bard. Apparently, you know they're using Google's uh, uh, you know wealth of information out there now, and it's all integrated. So it's you know arguably whether it's going to be better or not, I don't know. But like it is, it's fascinating. I'm just thinking about you know what is the practical application of just being able to get written documentation out uh, that makes it easier for you to communicate with your guests. And this is a very real practical application right now that you could do. If you need to write a letter to your guests about 
something, whether it's an event or whether the elevators are down or whether uh, whatever, like you, you name your thing, you know, you've got brunch th- on Sunday morning that you're trying to promote. You can have this tool do that for you and, uh, you know, proofread it, print it off, send it out and you're done rather Absolutely. than having to sit there and try to like, you know, how do I wordsmith this? And is it saying the right thing? And did I put the comma in the right place? And then your boss looks at it and they're like, no, no, no. I want you to move this sentence here and do this and this. And they just chop it all apart. It could be, it could be done. And then you can move on with your day. Like that's just a real time practical application that will save you time. No. And, and to speak to what you said, I think the big job in the future is called prompt engineering. And this sounds far-fetched or something complicated, but it, it really is the way you interact with AI itself. So another misconception often of, of AI is like, well, I asked this thing and it wasn't that accurate, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Or give me a very generic answers, but it's all about the prompting. Right? So for example, one a famous prompt that, I, that, I, that I've seen uh, going pre-viral said, you give it a task and say, ask me 20 questions on how to be extremely accurate at this task. And it will ask you 20 questions. You answer those 20 questions. And then you watch what it spits out and you'll be blown away. It will be better than any copywriter that you ever worked with. Of course, if you give it a two-line prompt and say, just, just write me an article about short-term rentals, it's going to just give you kind of like a generic uh, article. But if you say, hey, I want to know, write me an article about XYZ latest trends, um, and you give it more more details, and it says, "Ask me questions to to write a very interesting article to complete this task." It will it, it will give you some crazy crazy results. <laughs> this is you can regenerate it as much as you want. You can say, "Make it witty, make it funny, make it serious." Exactly. Yeah. Oh we, my God. we use this. We use it also for research. I, I think Mark is it's a great implementation because, like you said, it's connected to a re- most recent use, but like live. Live internet for, to connect GPT for Chat GPT, you would need to have a, a, a basically an extension. Um, now that they're coming up more and more, uh, it's only limited use to, to to a few people to to have uh, uh, additional tools. But um, there's other tools which are more complicated to use. Like but there's something called Auto GPT. You need to know tiny, tiny bit of coding. I know nothing about coding. I was able to install it, like, and I was trying to bother my developers to do it, and they were like too busy with a project, with a product. So I let me figure it out, and I figure it out myself because I want to really be on top of that. And then a auto prompt itself, and it keeps creating the one task after the other, so you can give it like a big goal of being like. So, for example, like one of the big exercises, I said, "Hey, can you scrape um, uh, Reddit?" The, the Airbnb group read it. And there's like, obviously you can do that for hotels or whatever, right? And it says like, understand all the pain points of these people. Read all the comments and understand what are the top 10 pain points. And it did it. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so I, can, we're going to wrap this call up now, this recording. I'm just, I'm going to go do that for my own business. <laughs> <laughs> New direction. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Um, you know, you're in a unique position where you, you, you have a foot in the technology world and you have a foot in the hospitality world. Um, what is more difficult for you? What, what, what industry do you find to be more difficult? 
tech or hospitality? I think they are equally difficult. But I think uh, you have to choose what you're more passionate about, right? I was passionate about both. But really what made me a little bit more passionate was, was technology and seeing how we could, could solve things for, for, for other people in the, in the hospitality industry. But when you want to be great at anything, it's, just, it's hard. It doesn't matter what it is. I think I, I, I put almost uh, uh, any type of craft that you want to that you want to be great at is going to be uh, hard and it's going to take a lot of dedications, a lot of uh, uh, sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Um, I guess last question before we wrap up here, I, I want to talk a little bit about your you know, leading a company and being at the helm of not just a company, but a company that's really trying to do different things and, and be cutting edge and provide some new tools and make things easier for people, all that, all that stuff. Not, not something that a lot of companies re truly, really do. You know, as a, as a leader, who's trying to drive industrial industry change, do you have to find ways to drive change within you. I mean, this is a very clunky question. It sounded a lot better in my head. Do you have to find ways to drive change within, like not just within your organization, but like you as a leader and how you lead people? Like, do you find that there's, that there's some commonality between your external vision for how you want to impact the hospitality and technology industries and you as a leader, how you impact your team and how you guys do things within Journey going forward. Like, is there any overlap there? Uh, absolutely. I, I, I think, um, well, personally, I always try to improve whatever I do, right? The version of myself. Like, it's a competition against myself. Like, I say I'm competitive, but against myself, not other people. I always try to, to, to be better at what I'm doing. Um, but I think... Overall, I have a passion of improving things and making things better. It's almost like a thing I want to make sure that that other people don't go through the same pain points that that I have or I had. Um, and so, just as I'm trying to do it for the industry, I also try to do the same thing within my own team. Right? Um, I think if you want to or try to be a leader, you have to you have to be the example. You have to be the one who works harder. You have to be the one who is always happy no matter what, right? Like you, you need to set, try to set the bar. Um, that's the only way that you can expect. Uh, I don't say the same because it's not fair to expect the same, but expect that from, right. from, from other people. Yeah. But it's also the only way that you can improve things. I think I have uh, an obsession over, over, improving things and fixing things um, within the organization and, and, and outside of their, of their organization. Yeah. I like that. It's just constantly, you know, the tech is evolving and we're evolving as leaders and, you know, we just have to stay tip of the spear uh, on, you know, leadership skills and quality, just like, you know, everything else. So Luca, uh, this was a really fascinating discussion. I think we could do 10 more episodes on AI. I think uh, I'm with you. This is something I'm passionate about. And we we're just now trying to learn how this is going to affect our industry, but there's no doubt it is coming. And if you want to stay ahead of the curve, you got to learn this stuff 
and uh, try to find creative ways to apply it to what you do on a daily basis. So, um, Luca, if anybody wants to learn more about you, learn more about Journey, where should they go? Hey, they can go on our website, jurny.com, or uh, my LinkedIn, Luca, L-U-C-A, and Zambello, Z-A-M-B-E-L-L-O. Sounds good. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, Well, Luca, appreciate it. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk soon. This was my episode with Luca Zambello. You can find him on LinkedIn and learn more about Journey at journey.com. That's J-U-R-N-Y.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at The Proven Principles Podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to The Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.